In this link, we are here with another episode of the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast that exists to get hopefully helpful conversations in the hands of leaders and anybody else around Door of Hope. Um, I am super excited today to be joined with my friend, Karen Howes. Hey, Karen. Hey, it's great to be here and have this conversation. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. You bet. Um, well, you have uh, been around the church now for, what, a couple of years? Yeah. Does that sound about yeah. right? Two years almost? Yes, two years. You've led community group. You've been around doing various things. Um, so uh, I'm sure there are a handful, of, more than a handful of people that know you. Uh, but for maybe those who don't, give us the quick, like, one-minute Karen <laughs> This is impossible, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you. Give me the okay. one-minute Karen Howe's life story. Okay, this is a test, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so I most importantly came to know Jesus at age 20. And at that time, I was heading on the path of being in the performing arts. But when I met Jesus, somehow everything changed, as we know it does. So I ended up changing my major to a class called, um, uh, actually to a course called Organization Development. And started on a whole new path. So Jesus changed my heart and my career path because I found that it was something I could do to really um, help people in the workplace, which I was drawn to. And uh, so from there, I had a number of jobs. And then in 1989, I formed my own consulting company to help organizations function more effectively, teams, leaders, and then uh, individual contributors in areas of communication, conflict management, um, how to manage their energy, um, and how to be more effective, because we spent a lot of our hours at work. And a number of other things have emerged that I've had opportunities to do. So I have seven consultants on my team and then two internal people, and we work across all sectors, um, private, small, large, um, Fortune 500, and really enjoy the work. That was probably two minutes. That's great. That's <laughs> great. Um, well, fun. here's a fun fact. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you and I met in class, right, at yeah, Western we Seminary? Yes. Yes, that was one of the things that um, was so fun. I'm a cancer survivor, and after all my surgeries, I needed to feel like I was moving forward. I'd always wanted to get my graduate degree, and I felt drawn towards uh, seminary, so I got um, an MA in leadership and coaching for spiritual formation to add the theology to the work I'd been doing. So cool. And we were in a couple classes. Yeah. yeah it was it was an awesome time. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, um, as once we... Well, here you go. We'll let you know what we're going to be talking about today, the intersection of our Christian faith with work. And I don't mean works. It's not a. It's not a. What role does faith and works play in salvation or anything like that? But the workplace, the vocation. Um, there's this great quote uh, that we we threw in the the document that'll be attached to this. But uh, at the start of this really really cool and interesting book um, called The Gospel at Work, uh, there's there's an intro by David Platt, and he says this. I'll just read it because I think it frames this conversation so well. He says, if the people I pastor work 40 hours a week for 40 years of their lives, that means they'll put in more than 80,000 hours at a job during their lifetime. 
These hours don't even include the thousands they spend in cars, planes, and trains traveling to work. Consequently, one of our greatest needs in the church is an understanding of how daily work, according to God's word, ties in with God's ultimate purpose in the world. Um, that that quote just was profound and mm-hmm. stuck out to me. I, I think if we don't have a vision, uh, well, we'll also here. If it's true that God, that work is a good part of God's plan, uh, but we don't have a vision for what that means, um, we don't have a vision for how to view our work and get excited about our work as actually meaningfully contributing to the flourishing of the world around us and actually part of God's plan for us, uh, then we are going to have a major portion of our lives that just seems kind of meaningless and Mm -hmm. insignificant Mm -hmm. or boring or Mm -hmm. a distraction from the really important stuff. And I think that's sadly all too common. It is. And we make this split between the sacred and the secular and the spirit filled and um, what I have to do to earn money when in fact, God is desiring everything that we do be his, and work is a huge part of that. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. And with that sacred and secular divide idea, sometimes with that creeps in this idea that, you know, the, the really maybe the only or the most significant kind of work is like vocational ministry. So what, mm-hmm. what pastors do, that's, that's the Lord's work. That's uh, the most significant thing you can do. But I mean, if you stop and analyze that for a second, you realize, well, if, if that were true and then everyone, and that kind of implies that if everyone were obedient, really obedient to the Lord, they'd all be working in vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. The world just wouldn't work. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have anyone farming our food. <laughs> That's right. Or picking up our garbage. That's right. <laughs> or uh, writing up our wills. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a, an interesting point. So the vision is for his, um, the vision we need is for his flourishing to be happening with all of the works mm. that he causes us to do. But you, you make a great point. If we don't have a clear philosophy, theology, intention, about what our work is really for, we're, we're actually going to miss the rich opportunity, I think. Hmm. So why don't we address uh, the question of um, one that's maybe not always intuitively asked by Christians, but what role does work play in our spiritual development? What do you think? Well, I will confess that for a long time, I was confused about that. Uh, in fact, I tried to go into vocational ministry for a while, and it was clear that God led me back into the workplace um, without it being a ministry with that umbrella role. Um, I knew I was supposed to be a good example in the workplace, Hmm. but I didn't understand that there were moment-by-moment opportunities to help the kingdom of God break through. Uh, I separated it as two separate things. So you know, be a good Christian, be a good role model, mm. and then make more money to give to missionaries, which mm. isn't a bad thing. Sure, <laughs> God sure. can use that too <laughs> for people who have the gift of of earning wealth, and uh, God blesses them in that way. But I didn't recognize that my Monday through Friday work in the workplace, I was working out my salvation mm. with fear and trembling, mm. working in those situations where there was conflict, working out my own character where I was maybe tempted to not be fully truthful 
And yes, it was important to be a good role model, but God was working on me so he could work through me. Hmm. And that was really transformative for me. Yeah, that's so good. I think some of those themes are going to reemerge as we jump into kind of laying out a bit of a, just a, a brief theology of work. And one of the things that you brought, you helped us think through before we even started this conversation was a few myths that good theology can kind of dispel. So one of the, one of the myths um, that kind of haunts the background of this conversation that a lot of people hold is this, that work is a curse uh, and it's like a, or a dull necessity in a mm-hmm. fallen world. It's like, yeah, we have to do it. We have to put food on the table, but it's really just sort of um, probably just the result of our sinful fallen world. <laughs> if things, yeah. were, things were really right, we wouldn't have to do this It'd be work like stuff. we all won the lottery and we wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Which clearly is not God's plan. But <laughs> No, absolutely. So two, let's talk about two things yeah. first. First is the idea that work was actually uh, a, a good thing declared by God before the fall. Yeah. It gave us immediately, which was his plan, purpose. Yeah. We cultivate or to, to administer and lead and steward, cultivate and keep, you know, um, the garden, um, and everything. We, we were too, to seward that and to be the keepers of that. Yeah. And that's work. And yeah. those tasks were given to us. So I think when people think of work as a curse, there's a, a verse often taken out of context around that. They think it's a punishment. Mm. And I think a lot of people approach their jobs that way, even as Christians. It's like, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So if work, work was a good part of God's good design for humanity, for men and women before the fall, uh, we then, another key point is what you just hinted at, that work becomes harder yes. post-fall. It does. Um, it gets mm-hmm. frustrated. Genesis three seventeen through 19 says mm-hmm. that, uh, cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, uh, out of it. You were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So right. difficulty has been kind of thrust into the relationship between <laughs> humanity and the earth, between yeah. us and work. Um, but that doesn't mean that work itself is bad or exactly. the problem. Exactly. I think that's an important distinction. So you're right. Now in a fallen world, we aren't whole. We aren't whole. Others aren't whole. It's, it's broken. So it makes it more difficult but it doesn't mean that work itself can't honor God and can't have fulfillment to it and can't, can't act as a vehicle for his kingdom to break through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another one of the myths we talked about, I mean, we've already talked about this a bit, is that uh, vocation work is less important than so-called vocational ministry. Um, But another key point of theology really dispels that. First of Mm -hmm. all, it's that work is just simply valuable for the good of our neighbors and the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the doctrines I get really excited about is the doctrine of common grace. Yes. um, That basically reminds us that that God graciously allows even non-believers to benefit from his loving ordering of the created world. Mm -hmm. So everyone is given talent, Mm-hmm. Um, creativity, uh, ability to work in, in different ways. Not everyone's gifted or uh, equipped the same way, but we're all given different ways in which we can actually contribute to the flourishing of the world. And of course, 
the believer has a unique and, and special insight into what that's for and the ultimate purpose to glorify God. But even non-believers, too, are gifted by God to actually contribute to uh, kind of the flourishing of the world, um, even with their limited and incomplete perspective. Um, and yeah, that, so not only is this like encouragement for the work of non-believers, but for, for believers, it reminds us that so-called secular work contributes to the flourishing of our communities. It's a vehicle for God's common grace to others. Um, yeah, I think that idea of the sacred secular divide is actually a really heinous thing that mm-hmm. kind of robs a lot of believers of, of the connections between mm-hmm. the stuff of life and the goodness and will of God. It's really not correct theology, is it? As no. I'm thinking as you talk about it. And I'm thinking I just got back from a work trip in Malaysia where I was working with pretty senior leaders from all around Asia. And in this case, it happened to be women. And in praying before, um, I was it was a three-day intensive. You know, I really asked God, okay, show me what you want to do in these sessions. Of course, I had an agenda, mm-hmm. and there were things we were going to do. Show me who needs your touch. Mm. And, you know, I confess I don't always do that as much as I should, but my home group was praying for me that I would be more open, be more bold. Um, and I did share that my faith practice is Christian, and I had just the most amazing conversations with Chinese who were Buddhists, um, some Muslim women. So just just by dedicating it and being mindful of, of showing God our openness to him showing up, he shows up. Mm. And it's tremendously satisfying. It doesn't mean, you know, everyone received Christ, but um, I felt I was handling my work more in the way he he has called me to do. You know, I have mm. have brighter moments and duller moments. That happened to be a brighter one. Mm. And I have a lot of people I know now because my menace, my mission field is really in the workplace. Yeah. And there's a guy that I used to go to church with who works at the same organization I was working with. And every time I talk to someone who knows him, they say, Oh, blank is a good guy. Mm. Blank is has character, you know. Uh, his name is Bruce, actually. Bruce um, has done a lot to mentor other people. Um, and a lot of times it's women, and he's been respectful. Hmm. So, you know, he's his light's shining. Yeah. And um, he knows what he's there to do at the higher level. Sure. Not, not just his job in finance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Maybe, if you don't mind, who, who are maybe one or two other people that come to mind that you just see kind of living out this principle of the before God, the value of work um, Mm. and the goodness of work kind of in their working lives. Well, I'm thinking about, about Greg. He um, is an investment manager, started his own um, practice, became very successful, has been active in the church, four kids, um, a really strong marriage. And he was active in his alumni association, and he saw how much young people in their junior and senior year getting ready to go into the workplace Mm -hmm. didn't always have the confidence, the skills, the network. So he actually started an organization as a nonprofit 
this is not saying this is the only way we use work, but he sure. continued his business. But he started a nonprofit, and this organization brings Christians like you and me, and we um, come to events and we talk to younger people about the journey. We don't, it's not Christian necessarily, but he puts Christian leaders mm. with students and has them mentor. And it's been incredibly powerful um, in Oregon, Washington. Mm. And um, he he now has an executive director running it. You know, he, he slowly grew it. And I think it's, he said once that's been so satisfying. And he was able to use his platform at work and his connections with his university mm. to really serve and and minister in that way. The, the felt need, but also the deeper need. You know, the felt yeah. need of getting a job, having a network, getting interviews, yeah. getting some guidance from these mentors, but also giving them a hunger and an interest in spiritual things. Mm. And that's the awesome. time where we're vulnerable, right, too? Yeah. We know we're, we're a little scared. We've not done it before. So, you know, they'll be more open um, with, with these mentors he puts them in. So that's one example. Another one is uh, a woman who's been active in the Christian community for years. She's um, an accounting professor at um, a college here. Um, and she uses her platform in the way she teaches to care for students. She has them to dinner. Um, Often she will bring them to an event if they express interest to a women's retreat. And she thinks of her classroom as the church she's pastoring. And again, it's all about intention. Mm. She doesn't just see them as accounting students. So you might not think accounting and (laughs) spiritual conversations go together, but... You know, um, students are open, and she's mm. a warm, connecting, relational person and open about her faith. So those are a couple really yeah. um, stellar examples. That's so cool. I think uh, something that comes to mind for me is, especially in Portland, like there are certainly different subcultures of people, mm-hmm. and I think kind of the artist, the artist crowd can tend to sort of turn their noses up at like, the business world. Yeah. Um, and it's a really important reminder that, man, the, the, what the world needs is a really good, faithful, integrity filled, spirit filled <laughs> fruit of the spirit, Christians like operating with integrity and yeah. what a powerful ministry and what a contrast, um, that can be to what, what goes on. But also just, again, like let's not just talk about, uh, in terms of, we should talk about it in terms of like opportunity to minister to even eventually share the gospel with Absolutely. coworkers. Yeah. But there's also just the goodness of the work in itself and yes. helping people, mm-hmm. um, helping helping our economy in the way that yeah. uh, that can impact our neighbors and so forth. On the flip side, <laughs> there can be people in the business world who kind of turn their noses up at the struggling artist working at the coffee shop. <laughs> Like the sort of get a job hippie thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you're listening to this and you, you're in that boat where you're, you know, like a barista, um, that too is can be meaningful work to the Lord. Um, the commute, the communal benefit that you offer by serving a good product, um, you know, finely <laughs> roasted, well brewed coffee. Uh, and creating a space for people to come and meet, that is something meaningful as well in and of itself. Um, and so 
the trick is whatever, wherever you find yourself. And there are exceptions to what I'm about to say, uh, on our little document here, I think I put like, I don't know, the pornography industry. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there are spheres in which yeah. you just, if you're a Christian, you just get out. Mm-hmm. I feel very mm-hmm. comfortable saying that there yeah. are many places where, uh, there are kinds of work that just do not glorify God. That's they actually right. contribute harm and inject sin and suffering into our world. Um, so let's set all that stuff aside. In most cases, mm-hmm. most cases, mm-hmm. uh, where you find yourself working, you can you can actually find avenues that are um, extremely meaningful and beautiful and help cultivate this world and should be celebrated and uh, invested in wholeheartedly. Yeah, I'm thinking of another example of that. We work at a um, natural foods company, and it's been a wonderful relationship, and we've gotten to know... Um, even though we're doing a lot of leadership development, we've gotten to know people on the floor who run the production machines. And it's very clear several of them um, love and serve the Lord. Mm. And one of them, she's just a a tiny uh, lady. She's an immigrant, but she will bake and bring things in. And she's known for her kindness, her smile, and her work ethic, as well as her baked goods. And so it's like bringing light and life. And I know she has shared with me, you know, in halting English, um, but so genuine, um, the opportunities that her serving others has given for people to ask her, where do you get all your energy? You know, you have these kids at home and you're doing this work on swing shift. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, by bringing that common grace and being vessels of that, it it's a bright light because yeah. people are stressed out, right? Yeah. Everywhere Absolutely. we look, the coffee shop, you know, the grocery store, the checkers. So, or the checkers seeing the stressed out grocery shoppers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Absolutely. So that calm love and care and, and loving what you do mm-hmm. because we're doing our work unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, and we've already kind of hinted at this one as well, but we'll make it explicit. Another key point in any theology of work is that work ultimately, uh, finds its purpose in relationship to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, you know, saving relationship with Jesus, it's going to reorder our lives really significantly. Mm -hmm. In first Corinthians 10, Paul says, uh, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, mm-hmm. do it all to the glory of God. I think it's in the context of slavery in Colossians 3. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think e- you're right. Even yeah. the difficult, frustrating, uh, in some cases in the ancient Near Eastern world of, of Paul, uh, dehumanizing work of, of slavery, uh, he calls people to do it honestly and well quote, as for the Lord, um, which is a hard message. Um, but what it, again, that's an extreme case and we could have a whole other conversation about the gospel's trajectory of dismantling slavery. But for our purposes, the point is, uh, even, even difficult work, our, our response to it, our engagement with it is to nest it under the Lord's, um, authority and and for his glory wherever we find ourselves i think that's a really important point and i don't want to sound all sunny and smiley that you know my work's always great or easy Um, but when 
I mean, we all have like 60%, if we have 60% of our work that fits our gifts and talents, there's always that 40%. You have that in vocational ministry, right? Sure. Where there's things that are hard for you that maybe go um, uh, against your natural personality. By learning to do that, it also is part of the teaching that work does in us to grow our character and to shape us. Um, you know, the, the verse that talks about how difficulty and hardship creates strength of character. And I, I have to say, being self-employed for 30 years, you know, having to trust God for the next account. Even mm. uh, recently, we had a downturn in business. It, it drives me to the Lord. It mm. makes me dependent on Him in those things I don't like to do or don't do as well. So whenever I'm working on business taxes, I have to remember this is God, you know, saying, okay, do this as unto me. It's not something I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so it's part of it, and it mm. shapes us. Um, and it's a, it's a tool he uses. Yeah. It's not fun sometimes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, yeah. I wanted to share something, too, real quick. Yeah, absolutely. That I just realized, too, while we were, while we were talking I think, too, in the workplace, um, especially with the new mindset and with younger people, trying to be in the workplace and be the perfect Christian um, is, is a losing proposition. That's also mm. bad theology. What I'm learning is God can use me more when I'm appropriately transparent, mm. and I talk about my struggles, and I talk about my human pain, uh, even from the front of the room, yeah. we do an exercise called journey line when we're training leaders and I share mine and I share about the death of our son, uh, three years ago and the fact that he, um, became addicted because of the meds they gave him and, and him on hospice. And, uh, then as a cancer survivor, um, having multiple cancer surgeries and chemo, not to get sympathy, but to share, you know, what's real. And struggles. I think that draws people to us more because they don't, they're not going to want to talk about their challenges if we're just, you know, puffing rainbows all the time. Yeah. And, or pretending. I think that turns people off. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think people can smell it from a mile away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about the gospel is it, if we sincerely believe the message that at our lowest point, God loved us made the ultimate sacrifice for mm-hmm. us. There's, there's nothing left to hide. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that enables people to actually be fully transparent and authentic because theoretically we've already said, hey, I am mired in my sin, unable to help myself, mm-hmm. unable to get out of it, unable to save myself, but Jesus did the work for me. Yeah. And yes, he's in process of transforming yes. me, healing me, growing yeah. me, sanctifying mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But uh, theoretically... <laughs> The gospel should dismantle any mm-hmm. need to, to cover up yes. the flaws. Have been saved, are being saved, is continually being saved. <laughs> Will be saved. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Thank absolutely. you. <laughs> yeah, Hallelujah. Very well said. So one other, one final point on our little theological breakdown here. Not every, of course, these aren't every point we might make, but just by way of introduction. Um, work is a signpost to the kingdom um, and to the new creation specifically. Um, there's a common misconception that, that the future that the Bible predicts for us is the earth burned up and 
uh, everyone in some sort of disembodied reality. Um, but actually the Bible declares that eternity is going to be on a recreated new heavens and new earth. And there's at least some degree of continuity with our current earth and exactly what that looks like. I don't know. Uh, we're given some, some poetic images, but, um, the idea is that the new city where Christians spend eternity, it's a glorious city with an Eden-esque paradise at the center with a tree of life, Hmm. um, uh, John describes it as a place of sinlessness, beauty. Mm-hmm. Tim Keller likes to use the phrase cultural energy and activity to describe it. And probably, and we can't say this for certain, but the, the picture you get, I think if you read Revelation twenty one twenty two, is that there's probably going to be work there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we work now um, with integrity, we're actually kind of giving a little taste to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our bosses, to our employees uh, of actually what the, the kingdom and its fullness is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be a really significant motivator and like an exciting thing. I know. I just feel the hope as you're talking about that. And it's really restoring us to our right intimacy, to our full intimacy with God and our original role, mm. which is to steward yeah. and work with God um, in his kingdom. Now, it's the now and not yet. It breaks in. Yeah. I see breaking in when I'm, when I'm awake to it and looking for it and attuned to it all kinds of places. Um, but it's going to be in its fullness there. Hmm. And I don't think, you know, I thought we were going to sit around on clouds playing harps. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Yeah, no. <laughs> and the whole, the whole creation will be restored. And work will continue, but without the sin. Yeah, without the thorns and thistles. Yeah, maybe I won't have to do my taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, Yeah, that's such a good point. So there you go. There's a few key points to help just start thinking through a theology of work. Again, this is all kind of written down in this document you'll be able to download uh, and there's some books we've we've added that that can take this much further than a 20 minute conversation can. But there you go. Um, you know, one of the other specific books that's mentioned that we'll, we'll get into here that you and I that kind of started this conversation mm-hmm. was Amy Sherman's Kingdom Calling. Yeah. So Karen Karen had been reading that book and I had read it a, a maybe a couple of years ago and. Uh, some, something in this book inspired you to reach out to me about, hey, we, we, should, we should do something yeah, with this. I, what, what, what sparked that thought in you about that book in particular? Well, I think for me, the way she laid out the theological vision of that we're called to the kingdom, of mm. course, first. Mm-hmm. And our work has a key role in that. And she has a lot of examples. She has good questions to ask yourself. And it's, it, it's holistic. It isn't choppy. Like, mm-hmm. okay, go be a good Christian at work and then come and do your real work at church. It, it's so holistic and integrated. Yeah. And she has a passion for it and, and a depth. There was a depth to it that I hadn't seen, you know, in other, other books. So I felt like it expanded my own vision mm. and has helped me talk to others about it more. Yeah. Even for retirement because... I'm a lot closer to that than you are. <laughs> and we actually don't talk about retirement in our household, my husband and I. 
um, we talk about reformatting and recalibrating. Hmm. That we will always be doing some kind of work, whether it's paid or not. Yeah. And that we want to have that intention hmm. and that vision for our lives. Because when people don't have contribution, there's a lot of actually studies that show without contributing in the area that God has given us gifts and passions, we are not well. Yeah. We are not whole as whole because that's part of his plan. Yeah. So I, for one, am not going to retire and just stop. Yeah. So Amen. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. I don't know what's, what it's going to be like, but I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know. Cameron. Okay. <laughs> you can teach us all. <laughs> so yeah. And one of the things before we wrap up is we wanted to talk through these four pathways or approaches to faith at work that Amy Sherman kind of... Uh, brings up in her book. And really the back half of the book is just expanding on these. So if you hear something in here that you're kind of inspired by or excited about, you should pick up that book, mm-hmm. Kingdom Calling, and, and dig a little deeper. But these are basically um, four ways to kind of steward um, your location, your gifts, just just all that God has built in you and given around you um, for uh, advancing the kingdom, uh, essentially. And so let's just kind of dialogue a bit through those. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there, throw the first one out there. The first one she says is uh, that the first pathway is to bloom where you're planted. What, what do you think she means by that? Well, she actually calls that deploying your vocational power mm. and to really leverage your job to reflect and promote God's glory. And again, it's back to acknowledging God is our primary audience. Everything is his, so why wouldn't our work be? Another great example is my son-in-law's mother, who um, was home pretty much full-time after her children uh, were born, and that was her calling. And then she also worked part-time as a dental hygienist. But she went back to school after they were raised, and she's an emergency room uh, ER nurse. Uh, actually at 58. And when I talk to her, she tells me about the stories of what God does with her conversations. Hmm. So here she is where a lot of people might be thinking, I can't, I couldn't do the ER, but she loves it because hmm. she talks to people of all types at their lowest moment. Often. Yeah. And she's, I think she's an example of deploying her vocational power. Yeah. Blooming where she's planted in the ER. Yeah, there you go. It's perfect. The second um, she calls donating your skills. So outside of maybe quote unquote where you're planted, this is giving your skills Mm -hmm. um, to additional organizations, other opportunities. Um, This might be a church, a nonprofit, private or public agency Mm -hmm. uh, that can make use for some kingdom purpose of, of, yeah, the way God has gifted you. Do any examples come to mind of people you've seen? You know, there's actually a lot of people at Dora Hope. Yeah, that's very true. Um, somebody told me that um, one man who's also a greeter brings refreshments every week to the worship team because they get here really early. Yeah. And it's yeah. a long morning with two services. Richard. Richard. If you're listening, hey, Richard, thanks yeah. for the snacks. I just really... <laughs> that that brings the, breaks through the kingdom, you know, in that mm. moment, in that kindness... People that sometimes you know serve thanklessly. Um, 
I um, also know a woman. She's She's been my spiritual mentor, gosh, for 30 years. She's 92. She can't drive. And she so connects with youth that she um, mentors okay. them um, probably twice a month. Mm. And they'll bring a little dinner or some popcorn or a burger. And at 92, I mean, uh, really? That's inspiring. Mm. That's she, awesome. she doesn't complain about being, you know, home-ridden. She just makes a, makes a church out of it. Mm. And, you know, I don't think you have to start an organization. I know there's people here who are involved in the Faithful Friends Ministry, yeah. which is profound, helping one child at risk and staying with that person. Um, it's a real commitment. Yeah. But uh, I haven't been able to do that yet, but I hope to. I think mm. it's a really great example of donating skills. Yeah. The third is, uh, you just mentioned it, is mm-hmm. to invent your own social <laughs> enterprise. Um, so launching new things uh, out into the world. So again, if this isn't simply uh, flourishing mm-hmm. in your current role. This isn't doing some extra things, donating time, but this is now inventing mm-hmm. whole new initiatives um, to... Uh, yeah, advance foretaste of God's kingdom in various spheres. Um, in some ways, this feels like kind of what the house group is, or maybe how you could have conceived of it at the beginning. Yeah, and our um, actually our mission statement, which is also our byline, is to help people, teams, and organizations flourish. And that's my word. That word came to me during seminary, actually, and. We added it in there because flourish to me means in the way God's created us. So there's a spiritual component, there's a mental, emotional, uh, physical, yeah, all of that. So that's what we're looking to do: deal with the whole person. I'm also thinking of a woman who started a very amazing business called Seiko Designs, and after graduating with a master's degree in English. <laughs> She um, really felt God calling her to do something in the world, and so she was gonna. She went over to Africa to to sponsor women because they um, needed help, and this started out in Uganda. And the women said to her in Uganda, "We don't want a handout. We want a job." Hmm. And so this young woman, she was probably twenty six, and she said, "Okay, then, um, how do we do that?" And so she started a ministry business slash business both where they make quality uh, jewelry and you can find it on the internet it's S-S-E-K-O I really believe in what they're doing so she hires women then she puts a fourth of their salary away helps them save so they can go back to school in areas that will help grow the business they come back to the business after school with more skills and become more contributing and now she's in three African countries that's so cool. It's really neat. And they're quality goods. It's a handbag you'd want to carry. It's a piece of jewelry you'd want to wear, um, as opposed to some of the things that we see. So it's quality is under the Lord. But it's definitely, you know, an, an entrepreneurially effort. But there's great flourishing that she's helping to, mm. to, to do. And the people who work for her love it here stateside and also in Uganda. That's so cool. I know. Talk about vision, huh? Yeah, wow. Um, and then the fourth that Sherman brings up is to invest specifically in your church's targeted initiative. So 
she kind of sees this as really employing your vocational gifts, skills, um, whatever it may be, to really narrowly focus on like a targeted initiative of the church. So really helping build out um, the way she describes it as, as really deep engagement with a, a neighborhood, a particular cause, a particular people group, um, as opposed to some of these other ones, which maybe are a little more wide ranging. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think we're called to the city, you know, at Door of Hope, and that's certainly drawn my husband and I to, to be here and stay here. And uh, I think aligning with our church community in efforts, like there was the Refugee Collective, I think we were involved with for a while, yeah. to really address social issues and human issues that are close to the heart of God. And I, I love how there's opportunities here to do that. And given the season of your life, you can start small, um, the faithful friends, or you know, you can go big, um, starting your own thing. So I also think this is something you need to pray about and make sure you're hearing where God wants to use you mm-hmm. um, and that um, you're listening to him. As opposed to just putting another thing on your calendar. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's just great to think about these things together. I noticed there's podcasts on this list too, and I haven't had a chance to listen to them. But yeah, that one looks really good. Both of them. Yeah. So we've got a few things you can check out. We'll mention them here, but we've got links on the document. The first is um, the book we mentioned at the very beginning, "The Gospel at Work." It's written by two guys named Sebastian Traeger and Greg Gilbert. Uh, this is just a podcast where they essentially break down the, the key thesis of their book. Um, and the big ideas in their book are essentially that our natural temptations with work are to either make it an idol, where it becomes the all-defining thing separate from the Lord's kind of lordship over it. It becomes our, our God, in effect. Um, or we become idle in it. We view it as an inconvenience, we don't take it seriously, we slack off, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. And they, they they make a case that the real gospel response to work is uh, rejecting either of those and, and kind of reclaiming the lordship of Christ in your work. So uh, if you don't want to read the book, that's a great way to just kind of get a snapshot of, of kind of what they're about in that book. Um, there's a short paper by Tim Keller on common grace that's not necessarily geared to work specifically, but I think it's a really important foundational idea uh, that if you can grasp, it'll, it'll kind of help the rest of this conversation snap into focus. Another really cool thing um, is the Center for Faith and Work website, which we have a link to, which was, again, a, a ministry that was birthed out of Tim Keller's church, uh, Redeemer, in, in New York City. But it's now blossomed into this fully formed um resource. They do conferences. I mean, most of it's on the East Coast, most of the conferences, but you can see video and audio of the conferences. They have whole sections of their website devoted to specific um, industries. Mm -hmm. So if you want to think Christianly about being in finance, they'll have a section there and just Mm -hmm. articles written by... um, It's awesome. I love that website. It's so cool. And I get their um, weekly emails. And you know how you delete a lot of things? I always read them, and if I can't read them, then I, I save them, because it just brings me back to focus, even in my day. <laughs> yeah, 
they're not real long, but they're but they're meaty and good. Yeah, really good to be aware of. And then uh, the two books that probably my two favorite books on the subject. First, we've mentioned plenty now is Kingdom Calling by Amy Sherman, and then I think not to just keep wearing Tim Keller out, but uh, his book Every Good Endeavor. Have you read that? No, but I'm going oh. to now. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful book as well. Uh, They're similar in some ways. I would say Kingdom Calling gets a little more practical and so Mm -hmm. might be a little more useful in some ways, Mm -hmm. but Keller kind of sticks to the the theological vision side. But they're both both well worth reading, in my opinion. And I think it's it's just so exciting to stay in the truth that God has called us to Him, has called us to do good work, as well as good works. And he wants to work in us and on us and through us in our work. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's very much close to the heart of God. Absolutely. So thanks for listening. We yeah. hope that, hope this conversation was helpful. Um, hope that all of us together uh, as the community at Dwarf Hope can be people who, yes, leverage our workplaces to, witness to the good news of Jesus, um, to uh, look for gospel opportunities to share the gospel verbally, but um, also to, to really think of the work itself in relationship to the Lordship of Christ and actually it being a part of his plan to, to continue to cultivate the earth um, that it seems, if we're reading the Bible correctly, is, is not going to end into mm-hmm. eternity future. So... We better get a vision for it now. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to talk to you always, Cameron. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Give me words to praise you and love to love you.